When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Adam Gregory, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. How, how's life treating you? Life is great, man. Uh, just uh, really pumped and getting this new single out there, Dirt Road Therapy. And took a little time off to, uh, you know, play the dad role and have a two-and-a-half-year-old now, so... She's kept me uh, hopping. It's been a good thing. I, I want to start off again, or start off first with your career, because you began your music career, I guess, in 2000. Uh, how old were you, and what was it like getting that first record deal? Well, I was uh, 13 when I got my first deal. Um, all stemmed from a, a demo CD that I'd sent around, and Sony Music picked up on it, and it was actually a song by Brian White that uh, got their interest called Rebecca Lynn. And uh, they just liked the tone of my voice, and they they flew my family and I down to Toronto. And uh, not much longer after that, we uh, we got that deal signed. And uh, 13 years old, thrown into uh, a, an adult uh, kind of business, and uh, just kind of going great guns with it. All this came pretty quickly. Were you nervous? Were you excited? Uh, more excited than anything. I can still remember the first time I I stepped foot on stage. In front of people, I was I was really nervous because prior to that, there would have to be a wall of separation. Anytime I sang in front of people, I couldn't be in front of people. I was nervous. But then when I did that first stage performance, I'm like, "This is it. This is what I want to do. I just I want to continue to do it more and more." You got these great names in country music, like your Hunter Hayes, for example. And when I look back at it, I was thinking like you were the Canadian Hunter Hayes in a way. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I would say so. I was uh, the little teen heartthrob <laughs> back, in, back in the day, and I guess a lot of people drooled over my pictures, you know, so they say. <laughs> also in that same year, you released your first album. Uh, I believe you released six more now to date, but uh, your first album put you on the map uh, the way I made. It became a gold record by Music Canada. You won a Canadian Radio Music Award. It's not too shabby. Not too shabby, and I, I was nominated for several awards, too, so just to even be nominated is a, an achievement, I feel. And uh, that, that album went on to do great things. You know, Horseshoe was the first song of each. You know, that kick-started everything. That's what I won the radio award for, for, for the most played Canadian country single of, of 2000. Every single following that just kind of, it was like a domino thing. Radio picked up on it, and, and it just continually grew. Now, the fun fact about the horseshoes is that uh, that was filmed in the West Edmonton Mall. Is that correct? Yeah. And funny thing is, is my my uh, family and I we walked through West Edmonton Mall <laughs> yesterday and uh, went through Galaxy Land because I'm in just for a short time here and uh, doing the radio tour. So I uh, had a had a, some time off, so I went went through the old place that I recorded that video at. And it just kind of brought back a lot of memories. They moved a few uh, rides around and took a few out, but it still is the same field, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, even on the way in here to do the interview, and uh, I mean, 
over the years. I still have uh, a lot of those songs from that album on my iPod, such as Only No I Do, Big Star, Horseshoes, No Vacancies. Which song from that record is your favorite? I wouldn't say I have a favorite, but I can tell you the ones that, you know, a lot of people like to hear No Vacancy, and definitely Horseshoes, Big Star. I'd say those are the three kind of uh, front runners that people always love to hear, and when I play them, it's they're so recognizable, and they, they they tie it in with me. So it's uh, it's an amazing thing, you know, to hear the audience sing it back to me too is incredible. Now, the one thing I want to mention too about the uh, the Big Star one because I really like that one. Is, is that based on a true story? Did you actually work at a uh, a gas station on the four hundred five? I've never worked at a gas station. It was just uh, me, me depicting a storyline and uh, acting it out the best I could. And it, I, I can still remember it, you know, as clear as day. How cold it was—a cold day—and I had to sit on a cold gas. <laughs> it's just a great message, a uh, great message of hope. You know, let me check your oil, sir. And when you see that big church sign, just go straight, and you'll be on your way. It just—it gives hope. A lot of my songs give give hope. Is that what you inspired to do, is give hope to the songs, or is it just kind of luck of the draw that that's what it does? Well, that song, I was lucky enough to, I just, I fell in love with it the first time I heard it, and I just, I knew that I could deliver it, even as a young guy, I knew I could deliver it, you know, the best that it could be. That album was definitely great. I love that song, but like, you've got some amazing pipes, even at that young age. Thank you, yeah, I was told that uh, my voice was well beyond my ears, you know, with you know, kind of the rasp in the, the lower register when I was a kid. Funny fact is, when I was a kid, my, my parents took me into the doctor because they actually thought, you know, something may have been damaged or something in my voice, because I always had like a husky voice as a kid. So they took me in, and it turned out that I had larger vocal cords than the normal normal young boy. And that, that gave me that kind of rasping. And I, I honestly think it was, it was just... Uh, kind of what I was always meant to do. It was like, it was a gift given to me and that's that's part of the gift. And, and to have that rasp and kind of weathered sound, you know, like, uh, like experience sound, you know? It really suits the country style. Is that the kind of music that you grew up yeah. listening to? Yeah, like, you you know, like Randy Travis and George Trey, Vince Gill, Don Brooks, all of them, I can, it, it takes me back every time I hear those songs, it takes me back to my childhood. You know, picture myself driving through the mountains on a family vacation. Having Randy Travis playing through the speakers. It just, just, you know, brings up memories. You have somewhat of a relationship with uh, Billy Ray Cyrus. Was he, tell us about your first encounter, and is he a guy you looked up to? Well, yeah, after after the fact, yes. Um, I met him at the Big Yellow Jam a number of years ago, actually when I was recording my second album. Uh, kind of the pre-production stage and I had done Big Valley and Billy was the headliner that the night I was on and uh, I just remember how cool it was meeting him backstage for starters but then standing on the side of the stage watching him do his thing and entertain the crowd and then he got to the end of the set Aki was the finale song and he said I met this young guy backstage I think of him I look at him as like little Elvis he said I don't think about you so I came out there and we sang to break your heart together. And he's like, okay, yeah, now turn around and shake your behind. So we all, him and I shook our, our behinds and everybody, you know. <laughs> everybody went crazy. And following that, my producer 
said, wouldn't it be a neat kind of thought to if Billy Ray would be interested in coming in and doing uh, a duet with you on this when I leave this house? And at the time, I had no idea that my producer was up to this, but I'm I thankful he was. And Billy Ray came in the studio um, graciously and put his voice down. And then when it came time to the, the video shoot out in Vegas, he, he came up for that too. And, Another thing I want to mention, and this is a, a big thing that I find with um, being a Canadian act, it's it's sometimes tough to find success outside of Canada. How did you manage to break that? Well, I can't say that I really broke it. I got two top 30 songs on the U.S. Billboard charts, which is an incredible feat. Um, it took a tremendous amount of work. Back in 2007-ish or 2008, I did the band and I did about 400 shows well I did 400 shows personally uh, if you include radio and everything it was a really busy time took a lot of sacrifice and you know I turned into a, a living zombie it got me up the charts to that you know top 30 stage but uh, really really hard to to break higher than that because at the time like the Zach Brown and Taylor Swift and Tim McGraw and Jason Aldean were all heading the charts it's hard to surpass those those uh, folks and I really made a go of it and did my very, very best and didn't get higher than that. But there's not a lot of Canadians that, that get that high, you know, exceptions like Shania Twain, obviously, but but it's it's pretty hard to get that high. How do you think of the landscape of Canadian music or country music in Canada now? Are we better off or have we peaked? You know what? It's it's a, it's a tough question because I'm a, I'm a fan of um, the George Strait era in the, the early Garth Brooks and early Vince Gill. It's something about that, that era of country music that will never die for me. And uh, I like I like the music nowadays, but there's something in, something in me that will always go back to that older sound. So if that answers it properly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, I had the conversation with my uh, buddy on the way home from ball hockey. We were talking about uh, what we consider a new country and old country. And when we came to old country, we agreed you had your Garth Brooks, Tim McGraw, George Strait. New country, we kind of looked at like your Luke Bryan, Florida Georgia Line, Sam Hunt, for example. So like, do you like both genres? Yes, I do. Um, I'm a fan of, um, what's his name? Um, I'm forgetting the name right now. <laughs> No matter much I'm getting, I'm always craving. You know that song? I'm trying to. Th- I I, I'm trying to think of it as well. I I I thought it was Thomas Rhett, but I don't think. Thomas Rhett. That's it. Oh. Thomas Rhett. That's it. For country music, I really I really dig his style. You know, because outside of country music, I really really like One Republic, Ryan Tedder, and he kind of is kind of emulating kind of what their style is in a country kind of form that and i really dig that yeah that's that's really interesting i i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't have seen you as a uh, kind of a one republic fan but uh that's oh, I love <laughs> i've been to now two concerts of those just incredible you mentioned off the top that you took some time off a hiatus from music about your your family i i mean right here i got down explain the reasoning but uh i mean we know the reasoning you wanted to raise your your child but was it hard to walk away from music for a time well i didn't necessarily walk away it was always still with me it just to prioritize a little bit and um you know a little a little baby they they needs to build and they need their parents around and 
not to say that they've done it on the road, but it's just stability of location too is important, I feel, and uh, having a home front. So it was a call I had to make. I felt that I needed to make for myself and for my family, and, and uh, I did it. And I didn't think of it in the sense of walking away from music because I never thought of it like that. I just uh, thought of it even as a time to, to you know, rebrand myself and rethink things and, you know, refresh my what I want to come out with. And um, I'm glad. I'm glad it worked out the way it did because I have Dirt Road Therapy, which in my opinion is, uh, like a radio DJ told me, my Phoenix could possibly and potentially be the biggest song that I have if it's played outright. Uh, I really feel it has that potential. So... Um, all in good good timing. I think it just worked out the way it was supposed to work out. And speaking of timing, that worked great into the next question, because let's talk about your new record. What was it like getting back into the studio? Oh, phenomenal. I love I love being behind the recording booth and working with Bart McKay on this album, uh, a genius in the studio. He's won, you know, producer of the year several years in a row now. He knows how to, how to get it out of the artist, even if they're really not feeling... On the game, he, he finds ways of uh, getting the best quality out of the artisan. I, I can vouch for that. We worked tire- tirelessly in the studio. We got we got some great product as an outcome. And uh, we got three songs in, in the box now, recorded. The two are still getting mixed and mastered fully. They'll be ready for release once they're done as uh, the second other two follow-up singles. And then we'll have the the album EP released in, we're approximating like early 2018. Why did you choose Dirt Road Therapy as the lead single? It's one of those things where just no. And I had this song, um, it was in a litter of pitch songs that I got. And uh, we were already about a year and a half into the project, finding and picking the songs. And I had I had come to a realization I had, I had not yet found the song that I wanted to lead off with. And I, I kind of postponed it and postponed it and told my manager, I'm not ready yet. It's not ready, not time yet. And then we got this song and uh, the follow-up, you know, probably maybe the third single as well in this literal song. And I'm like, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. And from the first beat and then the lyrics, I just knew it was, okay, this is it. No thought or doubt in my mind. That's going to do it for this episode of Topin Tonight. Our thanks to Adam Gregory for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thanks for listening, and good night. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. 
and thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.